I thought we're good. I thought so too. Okay, so so we're moving on and experiencing God here. And I wanted to like share with you guys. I went to this um, sermon development uh, day uh, last week, and they brought in this guy who who travels around and, and speaks all over the place. And we're talking about all of these different ways to develop and set up the Sunday and and make sure you're telling stories correctly, just all of this different stuff. And he was sharing about how. Uh, uh, anxiety and depression had really gripped him and how it really messed him up a few times. He's speaking in front of 2,500 people and God's just like, nope, forget about your sermon. We're going to talk about your depression. We're going to put it uh, up front. And as he talked about that, I'm like, all right, somebody who gets where I'm coming from because I've been dealing with anxiety and depression only since I started the church, honestly enough. Uh, funny how that works. Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Um, but anyways, and I was like, okay, so what do you do? Because I'm uh, I score really low when it comes to empathy. I'm not really good at that. Um, and, I, and I think that allows me to do certain things that other people just can't do. I can walk into a, a dumpster fire and say, okay, here's how we're going to get out of here. Here's how we're going to move forward. I'm not there to hold you. I'm not there to hug you. I'm not there to make you feel emotionally safe or anything. We're getting out of here and we're going to change your future. Uh, we will have some other people that will come and love on you and hug on you and stuff like that, but I'm getting you out of here right now. But I told him, I was like, for the last two weeks, I'm crying up in my sermon. And I think it's because I've had all these emotions dammed up through this medicine that I've been taking for eight years or whatever it's been, that they're just trickling out. And here's what I'm afraid of. And he was like, just share with them what you're afraid of. I'm like, all right, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of, I want to make sure that I'm not that pastor who just works on your emotions and he cries every week just to get a response from you. Like, I don't want to be that guy. So today, as much as I can control it, I'm not crying. I'm not a crier. Don't bring that mess over here. I have no empathy for you. I might have tears coming out, but it's some, somebody poked me in my eye. So I want to make sure that, like, I shared that up front. So if, if something does happen up here today, it's not because I'm trying to elicit a response from anybody or anything. It's that uh, I'm going to blame it on the backlog of emotions or whatever. But they'll get out soon, and then I won't have emotions anymore again, and it'll be good. It'll be good. So uh, now that we got all that taken care of, hey, if you guys would, take out uh, your phones if you probably already have them out if you're online. Um, thank you for being here with us today. Um, and if you would like to figure out how do I introduce my friends and my family to Jesus, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Just hit like or share on this video and let us do that for you. That's one of the great things that have come out of COVID is that we can now help you reach your friends and your family, your coworkers that you all want to reach. And you're like, I don't know exactly how to do that. Uh, Hit like or share. It's really simple. That's all this is. Um, but today we are going to go into talking about how to hear God's voice. And we talked about it last week that God is still speaking. He does not have to speak to us, but he chooses to still speak to us, which is fantastic. This week we're going to talk about how do I know if it's God's voice? As I'm talking to different people, and like I'm still working through this sometimes, like is that God, is that not God sometimes, but I figured some of this out. And here's like, here's your, there's probably two takeaways from this. I only like normally doing one takeaway, but here's, here's maybe two takeaways. If you don't have a great relationship with God's word, you will not have a great relationship with God. Period. 
I don't care if you show up here Wednesday night when nobody's here or Sunday morning twice for two services. I don't care if you're serving over in the kids' department and you're, and you're helping out in the food kitchen down in uh, Greensboro and you tithe and you give above all. If you don't have a great relationship with God's word, you will not have a great relationship with God. Flat out. That's the bottom line. We're building everything on that foundation. So we have to know that that's it. Because people want to know, how can I tell if it's God or Satan that's talking to you? And if, like, if you're new in your faith, or uh, maybe you've never thought about this, I want to help you think through this a little bit. Because Satan, his job is to make sure that we are separated from God. And sometimes that's by blessing your life. Sometimes that's by giving you the job that you think you've always wanted, and he knows it's pulling it away. Sometimes that is uh, a relationship. It is an opportunity that you always prayed about, and God has never answered before. There's a reason that he never answered it before, because you're not ready for it, but you think, oh, I'm moving closer, and God is just blessing me. And, and sometimes it's not that. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm in the right church. Yeah, this is fun as a preacher, right? Like we're supposed to get everybody here on Sunday mornings, not like send people to other places. But sometimes you think, oh, I found the right church. And you stay there forever and you never actually heard from God. It's because Satan wanted you right where you were. In church. Like it just seems mind-blowing to me that that's an option. And I never even thought of that until I read uh, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And I'm like... Wow, that, oh, that sort of wrecked me a little bit when he talked about that, that these people thought all the time they're in relationship with Jesus, that they're following Jesus because they're in a building, sitting in chairs or pews or watching online. Like, that does not give you that relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to work through today quite a few scriptures. Normally, I like to choose one scripture, and we're just going to work through that. Today, I'm going to talk about six or seven different ways that God speaks to you, and I want you to see the scripture with it. Like I have said, and I will continue to say, don't trust me. Go to your scripture. Go look this up. Read what's happening before. Read what's happening after. I don't have time to go through 15 scriptures, what was happening before in the culture and the context for you, but that needs to be done, so do that. All right, so I'm going to get, I'm going to get working here today. In Matthew chapter 4, this is where we see Jesus going out and being tempted by Satan. So let's, let's read through this and see, like, see if we can get our head right first. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's sort of a dirty trick. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me go on out here to the wilderness and be tempted by Satan. Like, if your best friend's setting you up like this, like, maybe this isn't your best friend. But, but anyways, and then all of a sudden, like, I can't go without saying this, in Israel, like all of us in the United States, think of the wilderness, we're up in the cabins, we're up in the woods and the trees, there aren't trees in Israel. When they say wilderness, they mean desert. All of them know that when they say wilderness. We live in the United States, 2,000 years later, we don't know there are no trees in Israel. If there are trees in Israel, it's because they're being harvested for some reason. They don't grow freely. Like, they, it just doesn't happen. So they, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, that's a dirty trick, into the wilderness, also known as the desert, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, here is this, maybe the most powerful part of Scripture, he was hungry. 
you think? Like there are some things that I'm like, I'm so glad that's in scripture. And some I'm like, yeah, I can pick up on that one on my own. This is one of those, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now that's real, right? Like he has got a legitimate issue going on here. He is God. He is the son of God. He has the power to turn the stones into bread. It is not sin. It is not mentioned anywhere else. Jesus could do this, but he knew what was going on behind the scenes, and he doesn't. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because I know where you're trying to lead me, Satan. I know you're trying to get me to depend on myself, my strengths, my weaknesses, everything that I can do, rather than depending on my father, and I'm not going to do it. Swing and a miss. So Satan comes back. Then the devil took him to, a hol- to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. This is a power move, right? Like, bang, they're there. They're on the highest point of the temple. And he says in verse 6, If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that he will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan learned. I'm going to go after whatever I thought I could get him with the first time. Jesus is hungry. Let's go after that. Okay. He's got this physical need. There's actually not any sin behind it. We're good with that, right? But then, after his swing and a miss, Satan's like, hmm, what if I use scripture against Jesus? And here's where we've got to understand that sometimes the things that you think are blessings from God, Satan is using to thin the herd. He is getting you off by yourself, and you didn't even realize it. And he will use scripture to do it. In verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is also written, because I don't just pull out one verse because it makes me happy. I don't pull out just one verse because it's, it's where I align with my family financially, politically, racially, whatever it is. I don't just pull out one verse. Jesus like, I know the whole thing. Because it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, swing and a miss. So here's the difference. Satan is like, oh, that scripture sounds good. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now. It's in scripture. It says exactly what you want. This is fantastic. Using scripture to pull you away from following Jesus. We've got to understand scripture as a whole, not as these little verses, which is why I hate what's happening today, and I'm pulling out these verses to show you. Please go read what's going on before them. Please go read what's going on before them and after them. Today, we're, we're going away from our experience in God. This is supposed to be chapter 5 and experience in God, and we're going through uh, Whisper by Mark Batterson. I've listened to this book two out of the last three years because it reminds me how to hear God's voice, and we're going to go through how to hear God's voice today, and there are seven ways that God really speaks to people. Seven ways that God really speaks to, I thought my thumb was out, it wasn't, now, okay, now seven, this is what seven looks like. Seven ways that God really speaks to you, and we're going to look at this. And we have, remember though, what we have talked about in the previous weeks, we're setting the foundation for what we're trying to understand now. 
So we've got to remember that God is always at work around you. And if you look, you'll notice. But God is always at work around you. God wants a loving, real relationship with you and with me. We need to know that when God speaks, like we talked about last week, he didn't have to. But he spoke back then in the Old Testament, or Older Testament. He spoke back there in the Old Testament, also known as the New Testament. I mean, it's 2,000 years old. I'm almost 50, and people call me old. It's like, okay, they're 2,000 years old. How are we still calling it new? Anyways, I'm going to keep moving. Um, but he didn't have to. This week, we're going to talk about how he speaks. I need to be able to recognize his voice when he is speaking. But if you don't have a great relationship with God's word then you won't have a great relationship with God. It is all about this. God's main language to speak to you and speak to me today is scripture. Not just one verse. Not just this one little picture. Not just this, and like here, like, there are, like there's so much to go through here. God uh, spoke to the writers in scripture, and they were speaking to a certain people at a certain time for a certain reason. Can he use that reason still today for us? Yes. Was God ever talking to the United States of America in scripture? No, 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 he was not. I know all of us want to believe the book of Revelation is happening right now. Go back and read Revelation again and see if it doesn't sound like Babylon and Assyria and Greek and Rome. Like he was trying to comfort his people. He wasn't thinking, hmm, I wonder if people 2,000 years from now are going to need comfort or if the people that are crying right in front of me right now need comfort. I'm sure I'm getting all kinds of issues with that, but come on, we're going to have some fun. So God, you have to know scripture. When in doubt, go to scripture. Is this God or is this Satan? Go to scripture. Is this God or is this Satan? I'm in scripture. Go to other scriptures also. Just keep searching the scripture. Like, that is your main takeaway for today. But we're going to share some more things, so we're going to keep moving. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, like the Roman swords that every one of them were carrying, that every one of them had seen. He's using things that were in the world that day. It will penetrate even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Oh, how do I know if this is where I need to be? Is there something in your heart that's like, mm. and if you never get that feeling, I bet it's because you're not in scripture enough because it says pretty simply that it, it penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, it judges Scripture judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. I'll tell you, like, if you're here today or you're wondering today, like, what does Scott think about this? It doesn't matter. It is not my job to judge. Like, it it doesn't matter at all. Scripture takes care of that for us. Because it will judge the thoughts and the hearts and the attitude of where you are. If you are not spending time in Scripture, which way does God want me to go? Well, sometimes it's really simple if you would just read his text. But God also uses people. Scripture is the foundation of everything. It is the language that he speaks. One of the voices that he used, like think of people who are like, um, when, I, when I started uh, traveling a few years ago and I, uh, I went to Africa, 
years ago, and then I, I went to Israel, Israel again, and then Turkey, and they've got this running joke about all of us Americans. And it's like, I sort of don't think that's funny, but it's sort of true. What do you call somebody that speaks three languages? Trilingual. Two languages, bilingual. One language, American. We only just speak some English because we don't care. Everybody speaks our language. God's main language is scripture. He also speaks other languages, though, which have to be laid back down to this, this foundation that's down here that he built on scripture. When in doubt, go to scripture. Um, so God uses people, and we see this all throughout Scripture. In Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So how can I make sure? Because I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be one of those people. Hopefully you don't want to be one of those. How can I make sure I don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Scripture answers that but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encouragement, being around the people of God, being around the family of God, being in the midst of everybody. That's how this happens, as long as it is called today. And here's the thing, like, Satan has always used the same tricks to pull people away from following Jesus. We know this so well. Peter, 2,000 years ago, one of the apostles writes in his book, 1 Peter 5.8, and you've seen this on, in people's homes and tattoos and all of the above, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So what do we know about lions? Well, I watched Wild Kratts when my kids were watching Wild Kratts years ago. Like, this is what I know about lions is... When lions attack, they don't say, okay, who's the strongest animal? Who's the alpha here? Let's go after them. No, we're not doing that. That's stupid. Okay, there's a whole herd of them here. Let's get all of them in the herd. Nope, we're not doing that. Which is the weakest one? Oh, that's the weakest one? And then they just start peeling them away from the rest of the herd until all of a sudden the weakest one is alone. And then they devour it. Folks, we are living in the middle of COVID. We have all been peeled away from each other. We have all gone our separate ways. We stopped meeting together because we had to. And then we started back online. And it's like, oh, this is so good. And now we've opened back up. And like, as a shepherd, like I've got to say this, and I'm, I've been working on how to say this all week long. Um, so I'm going I'm to try saying this and moving on. If you have fallen away from following Jesus, you probably don't know it. You probably don't know it, especially if you're attending online most weeks from the comfort of your own home. You don't get the encouragement from the body of Christ. You don't get the encouragement of worshiping together and hearing the voices for how great thou art. You don't get the encouragement as you're coming in, you're leaving, when you're talking to parents and you're checking your kids in down here. You don't get any of that. And scripture tells us that's how we make sure that we aren't being pulled away is through the encouragement of the rest of the body of Christ. But right now we're isolating ourselves. And here's what I want to make sure that you get. I want you to be safe, but I don't want you to be fooled. If, if you are going to work every day and your spouse is going to work every day and your child is going to daycare every day and then after school every day, 
You're going out to eat three days a week, but there's something about this building that you just can't be here and risk it. I think you're being fooled. I think you're being fooled. And I've got to say that because I know that God's going to ask me because there are certain things about a pastor that moves you on that he will hold me responsibility for. I am supposed to be the shepherd of the flock. And he says, Scott, why'd you let everybody walk away? It was hard to have that conversation. Oh, I didn't want to say that to that family because I love them and I was afraid they were going to leave. I love them and I just, I don't want to see anything bad happen to them. He was like, oh, so you're scared. That's why you didn't have that conversation. That's why you didn't say that up front that Sunday morning. And I know that I have to have a couple hard conversations with families that I love, that are near and dear to my heart because I think they're being fooled and they don't know it. And I don't want that to happen. Because God uses people to speak to other people. And we've got to recognize that. God speaks through people. He also speaks through promptings. You can tell somebody who writes, uh, put this together for us because we get three P's and then three D's. So God speaks through promptings. Now maybe you have felt this at some point. Maybe you have been the recipient of this at some point. I think this is sort of the lazy way as a Christian. Well, I felt God wanted me to do this. I felt like he wanted me. Did you check it with scripture? Well, you know, I just felt like there was something inside that I felt like I had to come say, did you check it with scripture? Well, I don't know. But God does do this. He absolutely uses promptings. I have felt them in my life. I have had people come to me and say, okay, so this is going to sound weird, but I feel like God wants me to say this to you. And it is dead on what I've been praying about. And they don't know me. They don't know anything about me. They don't know my prayers. They don't know. And God has used me and I've had to go to people and say, okay, I realize this is all kinds of weird, um, but I, here's what I feel like I need to say to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you're sort of walking away like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. You're like, yay, God used me. This is fantastic. This is, I didn't mess this one up. So we just keep going with this. But in Acts chapter 2, we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus leaves. He goes back into heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, finally, these guys are by themselves, and they're like, uh, what do we do now? How do we figure this out now? And Jesus realized they were going to have an issue, and he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us for the first time to stay dwelling within us. Now, he came upon, he dwelt within in the Old Testament to accomplish a goal, and then he was gone again. This is the first time that he stays can living inside of us. But we see, before that, we see uh, Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit. We see this in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Okay, so that's a good one, because I need a little help sometimes when I'm reading scripture. And will remind you of everything that I have said. Here's some promptings. Hey, you remember what scripture said there? Hey, man, there's something going on here. So there's, the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of what God has done with you, through you. Remind you of that scripture that you're like, I wish I could remember this when I'm talking to people. The Holy Spirit will take care of that for you. Trust in him for that. Here's the thing I want, I want to like, the Holy Spirit uh, is the most active piece of God that we have today on this earth. Jesus physically isn't here anymore. God the Father isn't. The Holy Spirit is here. And like when, 
in the Christian church, in the restoration movement, when we have talked about it, like for my Pentecostal uh, brothers and sisters, they get this a little bit better than what we do. Um, what we do is we almost soften him, the Holy Spirit, right? We, we soften him. We sit him in the corner because it is the, he is the advocate. He is the counselor who is going to come. But when you look at the Greek word here, being the Greek you know, student that I am, the one semester and done, but I learned how to use the tools. We see parakletos is the word that is used here. Now, in the understanding for the Greeks, a counselor wasn't somebody who sat in a chair and, and you laid on their couch and they were like, oh, so tell me how you feel about that. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think of it more like if I was going to go ahead and translate this now, I would say he is more like a workout partner or a coach. You got this, get in there. You got this. You can overcome this. You remember what you did before? Like, this is the Holy Spirit reminding you, not like, did I hear something? I don't know. No, you got, like, the Holy Spirit is very active, very living, very much wants to remind you of where you can go and what you can do. You need to recognize the Holy Spirit will remind you of, of what? The time you spent in Scripture. Notice it all keeps coming back to this. If you have spent no time in Scripture, you cannot tell the difference between God talking to you and Satan talking to you. Period. It just won't happen. Let's keep moving. God speaks through people, promptings, and pain. Oh, this is the one none of us likes. Not a single one of us. But probably most of us have experienced because God's trying to speak to you and he's trying to use the people around you and he's trying to use some promptings and all of a sudden you're like, oh, they don't want to listen to anything else. All right, let's see what happens when they deal with this. And all of a sudden you're sick and all of a sudden there's like financial pain or there's, there's marital pain or there's relational pain or there's like, oh, why, what, why me, God? Because he loves you. Hebrews chapter 12, this is all talking about how he's a good father. Starting in verse 11, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We get that part. Don't miss the next part. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Not those who have avoided it. Not those who have run from it. Not those who are trying to cover it up and just push it down like all of us like to do. Because I don't like pain. You don't like, like none of us likes pain. But he's saying, there's a reason for this. It's because he's a loving father and you need discipline. And if you will listen to the discipline, if you'll be taught by this discipline, then you'll get what's going on. Otherwise, it's pain for no reason. In James chapter 1, this, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's just like the whole chapter. I had it memorized years ago. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Like, what? Why would, woo, man, things are wrecked around me right now. Uh, no. But he goes on, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So I know you'd like to run. I know you'd like to hide. I know you'd like to pull away from those relationships. I know you'd like to pull away from your church. I know you'd like to uh, form some habits and not reading scripture. I know you'd like to do all that, but let perseverance finish its work so that you may be made mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. So your spiritual maturity comes by uh, intellectual understanding. That is a piece of it. Some of it is being relational in, 
in relationship with people. It is going through those tough times and be like, I ain't going anywhere. I, I know you didn't want to talk to me about this. I know you didn't want to have to say those things. I know that it's a struggle right now. But it just pushes the roots deeper when we go through tough times together. And he says, let it finish its work, and then you will be mature. And then, if you let it finish, if you don't run from it, if you don't try covering it up, if you don't try pushing it to the side, and then you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But who likes that pain? So we run. We hide it. We bury it. We try to cover it up. And he's like, just let it teach you. Just don't give up because there's something great that will come out of this pain. Jesus, God, the Father, does not discipline us because he's bored. It's because he loves us, and we need what's coming through the discipline. And we'll move on, because nobody likes that. God's main language is scripture. God speaks through people, promptings, and pain. Isn't that cute? And now Mark Batterson gives us three more, and they all start with these. God uses doors. God uses doors. This we see, like, this is Paul's main thing, right? Paul uses this over and over and over again. God uses doors. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are, uh, and there are many who oppose me. So the apostle Paul did three missionary journeys, what he did, unlike what I would do, probably what I would do, but anybody who's organized, he didn't stand out and plot out the routes. He didn't say, we got to hit this big city, and we got to go see my friend here, and we got a place to stay here. He's like, where do you want me to go? And he stayed where he was until God opened a door for him to go somewhere else. He was always trying to get to Rome. He was always trying to get to certain cities. And often you'll see, if you read scripture, please read scripture, you'll see, I want to come to you, but God has closed that door. I want to come to you, but God will, is sending me over here instead. Paul is really good with this. We see also in Colossians 4, 3, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's, he's in prison here, and he's like, this is where I need to be right now, but, but I need you to pray for an open door. I need you to pray for this. But here's the thing that all of us have our pet languages that we like to use. If this is your pet language, here is probably where you struggle. Because we love to see the open doors, and we rarely recognize the closed doors. Oh, it's like, oh, there's a door open to me. And all of a sudden you're wandering around and there's no doors open and there's no doors open. And you're like, well, I guess I should just go here. No, no, you shouldn't. If God is speaking to you and he uses doors, maybe at this time in your life or with your personality or whatever it might be, maybe he wants you somewhere else and it's not where you want to go. Maybe he wants you to sit your butt right there until you grow up in your faith a little bit. Then he wants to use you where you want to go. Oh, but I'm in the middle of pain. I got to get out of here. I don't want nothing to do with this. Exactly. But he needs you to stay there. Oh, I love some open doors. But I, I've never really run into a closed door. All the closed doors are things that I didn't really want to do in the first place. Well, isn't that convenient? But maybe God's saying, stay there, or I need you over here instead. God speaks using doors, and he also uses desires. 
Psalm 37.4. Now, th this is one of those, if you grew up in the church, like, your pastor might have used this against you. Like, this is a good tool on our tool belt, especially when preachers want certain things. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you're really a good Christian, and you do all the nice things, then I'm going to give you exactly everything that you want. If you're a really good Christian, the pastor wants a new car. I'll just let you know. If you're a really good Christian, the pastor needs opportunities on a vacation home. Like, and somehow people have bought into this over the years, and they're like, okay, I'm going to do that because I want everything that I want to come true. But when you understand the fullness of Scripture, you realize that's not what is happening here in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. It is not about that because we've got to remember, let's go back to a couple weeks ago, God wants a loving relationship with you and me. So he wants us to be close. He wants us to be intimate. And here's what I realize is the closer you get to God, the more his desires become your desires. He changes the desires of my heart. You know, when I was in elementary school, you know, I'm going to be, you know, a, a two-sport professional athlete. Like, this is just, these are the desires of my heart. And I get a little older, and funny how this is like, eh, maybe that's not how this works out, Scott. And now I'm really happy with where I am and what I am doing. The closer you get to God, the more he changes the desires of your hearts. They align with his desires, and then you get those desires. Maybe it's not winning the lottery, having this great job that takes you away from home and takes you away from your family. I desire, I desire to be a good provider for my family. That's absolutely great. You can probably find that in Scripture. Like, that's good and that is foundational. Get that one. Um, but there are some things we don't need to. Like, I desire to be a drug dealer. Um, no. Let's just choose no. I don't even know that we have to open the Bible on that one. Let's just choose no. I know it's easy money for a while, but it's going to get you. Okay, I desire to be a better provider for my family, so I took this raise. I took this new job. And now all of a sudden, I don't get to spend any time with my family at all. If I go back to the fullness of Scripture, I see that I am supposed to be the head of my family. I am supposed to be leading my family spiritually. I am supposed to be making sure that they are growing spiritually. It's really hard to do that when I'm never home. So maybe God doesn't want that promotion, that new job for you. Maybe that is Satan actually talking to you, giving you the desires of your heart. Everything must go back to Scripture. When in doubt, go back to Scripture. Not one verse that I can pull out and I can put on my Facebook page, but the fullness of Scripture so that you understand it. God uses people, promptings, and pain. God also uses doors, desires, and dreams. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Here is another reminder for me that I am an old man because I have had some of these dreams. See? Got some love over here. I love, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got a relationship like y'all just don't, like I'm our favorite pastor who is above six feet tall, is bald, is white, and is wearing a gray shirt right now. I'm her favorite. Yes. Yes. But I see that, like, God has begun to, to give me these dreams. And it's like, not like above 40. It started happening. It's like, 
And it's not like, it's not like a dream like, hey, I was walking down a road and I went into the store and I met this person. Like, that's not how he does me. Um, but I have woken up multiple times with somebody on my heart or somebody on my mind, and I realized I got to contact that person. I might not even know. Like, he's just like, do you trust me or not? Give him a call. Hey, I haven't talked to you in 15 years, but how you doing? Uh, this is weird, but uh, how you doing? Um, but God uses dreams. Like, I, I know this in my life. I, I have seen it happen so many times where I'll contact somebody on Facebook that I graduated with, that I knew really well back then, and I haven't known for 20 years, closer to more than 30 years. But anyways, and they're like, man, I, I needed... I needed a Christian to talk to, and I didn't know, like, has it, has it been too long for us to talk? No. But they're afraid, and God's like, you go get them. I'm sending you after them rather than them coming. I'm going to send you after them because I trusted. So I had a dream, and you were in it, um, <laughs> but I'm supposed to talk to you, I guess? I don't like, you've got to figure out how God talks to you with that. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would dwell on people or indwell to accomplish a thing, but now he lives in us forever. So how do I know if it's God or Satan speaking to me? Scripture. You have, like there, there's no shortcut here. There's no shortcut. You have to put in the time in the word. You have to know the fullness of, not these verses that make me feel good about myself, because we can all find those no matter what our, you know, New thing is, but you have to put in the time studying Scripture. You have to be with God's people. You have to just trust that God is speaking, and the closer you get to Him, the more you will hear His voice. And this is what we've got to come away with. So, I was talking to Luke earlier. I'm like, so I've been, I've been thinking about using this song, but one, we can't use it for Facebook because they're going to kick us off. Um, the other is, I'm like, well, if I was an inner city pastor, which I thought that's where I was going to be anyways, um, there is a song that maybe somebody pointed out to me that I'm sure I never listened to the entire thing. Uh, Stand up by Ludacris. He said, when I move, you move just like that. That's how I'm supposed to stay close to God. When he moves, I move. Just like that. See? Come on. That's the only one. Don't let me mess that one up. People, please stay in the word. Please be so close to God that when he moves, you know that he moved, and you move a little closer to him, and you just follow him down that road. And you understand the fullness of his word. Not just like, this is how I like to do things. I don't care how anybody else. As you mature in your faith, that goes away a little bit more. And you're like, what is best for those people around me? How can I help develop those people around me? Just like a parent does. We need some spiritual parents to put down some roots and say, I'm here to develop those people around me. I hear God speaking to me. And sometimes he's using scripture Sometimes he's speaking to me in a different way. I want you to experience God. I want you to understand God. I want you to understand his fullness and just let it wash over you. You've got to want it for you. You've got to take the steps. I'm going to go ahead and, and pray here and, 
and we'll move on. I have gone over my time. I appreciate you guys staying with me and not throwing anything at me yet. Spend some time this week trying to figure out some things. Spend this time this week. I tell people like this, this experience in God workbook. We only got two of them left out there, I think. It's like, it's like walking into a gym and trying to figure out how to work out. And you're like, oh, I can put some things together. But when you walk into the gym and you know exactly what you're there to do, it's easier. This workbook does that for you. Just open it up. Just read the scriptures it tells you to read. Ask yourself these questions and respond and move on. And it will change your life if you allow it to. And we'll pray and we'll move on. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you still speak to us and you speak to us in so many different ways, dependent upon our personalities or our place in life or, or the people that we have around us. I ask you those people who are being peeled away right now, those people who are being fooled right now and they don't even know it, that you would speak to their hearts. You would remind them that we are supposed to meet together as a people. Lord, just make yourself known this week. Give us opportunities to be used by you and loved by you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.